0: 3CR is broadcasting from the lands of the Kulin Nations, true owners, custodians and caretakers of the land from which we broadcast. We pay our respects to Elders, past, present and emerging, and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded and a treaty never signed.
1: This is 3CR
2: Breakfast.
1: Oh, news, analysis That's and current right. affairs. Monday to Friday, 7 a.m. to late 30 a.m.
0: Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, team. And the date is?
3: The 23rd of September. I think right. the uh, Royal Melbourne show starts for the oh kids who are on school love holidays. Kids don't
1: they? Yeah. <laughs> <Some they're. point.
3: laughs> yeah. Um, today's weather, uh, mostly cloudy, 80% chance of showers. It's good it's showers and not rain, most likely during the afternoon, but chance of a thunderstorm. And uh, then to, top of 15 tomorrow, it's the same top of 15 after a low of seven um the reason i guess we're sort of doing the weather a little bit more in depth today is because obviously on the 20th of september there was a climate strike that we we're too but yeah yeah it's going to be yeah, a jam-packed yeah, yeah. show today we'll touch mm-hmm. on that at some point
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> will, we will we will and um yeah i mean i also want to thank um, beyond, beyond zero beyond zero emissions for a great show this morning always yeah, so, um, you know, we travelled a bit, We oh, we will get to the uh, mm. climate strike, I was there, and I've got a, a bit of audio from that, we'll play it in a few minutes, but uh, I know people have been travelling over the weekend, so oh, I'm just, uh, Alice, you've been yeah. away.
4: Yeah, I went to Tasmania for the first time Lucky over the weekend. You. I know. It was great, and yeah, I had loads of... Food and went to, yeah, strolled around all the museums and Mona, oh, the the huge I park. haven't been to yeah. Mona. I've been to Tennessee. Oh, it's so much fun, yeah. I know. I have, to, I have to at some point. It's great. Yeah. It was my first time in Tasmania, so. Yeah. And the
3: weather would have been nice down there. The weather held yeah. up. It was supposed to rain, but it didn't in the end, so,
4: mm. yeah, all
0: good. And what about you, Dean? What was your weekend like?
3: No, my weekend was good. We just... Um, Hang out at home and just play it outside. You know, oh. it's great. It's great to be able to um have longer days in terms of the light, yeah, but also a little like bit of room. sunshine and yeah. Yeah, a little bit of rain. But um, yeah, it was just you know exciting. Went back into the city yesterday after the kids were there at the climate strike. Mm. So it was weird for them to see how busy the city is. You know, it was busy obviously on Friday because mm. they were at the gardens. But then when they went into the city, they just sort of said, "Oh." You know that we know now why we never come here. It was really intense, like it there was was, so many people it in was
0: land. intense, and for even people who are used to the city, I can tell you yeah <laughs> I mean, on I mean, friday on oh, friday yeah. was, it was Just remarkable hadn 't seen anything like it before did you get out to work? yeah, or I managed you? to get out to the
4: yeah to the climate rally Um only for an hour and a bit, I snuck away. I wasn't one of the lucky ones that got it off yeah, work. It wasn't
0: yeah. easy to sneak away. I was right I know. As soon, soon as you were in there, I
4: was like, i got get back. Yeah. And I tried to sort of wiggle my way out. But, um... Yeah,
0: no, it was it was brilliant. It was amazing. Well, look, why don't we right now just? Oh no, before we hear some sound <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that we go
3: What's on? I'm excited. <laughs> um, at 7:15, we've got uh, pianist Tony Gould talking to us about uh, an album that will be released in a couple of weeks called um, "The Gathering of Kindness." And this is an album that's got a lot to do with Dr. Catherine uh, Croc, a.m. Uh, from the Hush Foundation, and it's all about. Um, Uh, music um, and how music works um, to, I guess, transform the environment of the operating theatre and recovery rooms in major Australian hospitals.
0: I think that's so interesting. You know, I worked as an outreach worker at one stage of my life from a hospital, and at that time it was a children's hospital, and at that Mm. time they were advocating trying to get a youth ward or a ward for young people who were stuck in children's hospitals, you know, many with chronic illness. And the work of most music, but the arts in that setting, and also became quite political as well, where mm. young people kind of, you know, um, argued for their own space in the hospital. Anyway, I think work in hospitals is so interesting. Yeah, me. yeah, I know
3: when I was at the children's hospital, uh, my son stayed after I broke his arm, but they do have, they had an internal TV station in there oh, where right. they would oh, go and okay. interview the sick kids so it was just their own channel but yeah. it, it's in the boundaries of the hospital which yeah. I thought That's was, amazing. was quite fantastic yeah, you there's yeah. something so
4: really empowering seeing it. yourself like yeah. on TV or somebody taking the time to interview you and yeah, yeah, understand
0: yeah. Or how you, you're feeling or you or you young people yeah. do the interviews themselves which was uh, I think one of the things that they like turn the tables <laughs> on the power yeah very interesting very 3CR very 3CR and,
3: and then Cam's coming on at 7.30, talking yeah. about the uh, environment from Friends of the Earth.
0: Yes, it's going to be great. They've got three new campaigns coming up, so he's going to tell us a bit about how we can get involved in that. And <coughs> I, I, I had a, a fair bit of time going out to rallies last week. I also went to the rally uh, at the, in front of the federal court about the case for the Tamil family who the government's trying to deport. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course bit of he, a small win yes now? a small win yeah yeah and we'll yeah. hear but we'll hear what people said about the, uh, so i i didn't get there the next day which is when the, it was announced the judgment but it was really interesting to hear the different speakers on the day mm. and different dimensions of it so like we heard from people from bilawila uh, we heard from refugee councils, they have different perspectives so we'll hear we'll hear from that that's at 7:45 that's coming up and um yeah, and I and think... past eight. Yes. Um, around eight o'clock, definitely past eight o'clock, we've got
4: Martin Croft coming in, who's the Australian Associate Director um, of the production Come From Away, which is the story of thousands of stranded passengers um, and the small town in Canada that welcomed them. Gander. And, Gander, Newfoundland. Gander, Newfoundland. Newfoundland. New, Sorry, Newfoundland. Is, Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Yeah. Newfoundland. Yeah. Newfoundland. And, yeah. um, and that's, that was following the... the it was the morning of 9-11-2001, so we all remember that day, I should think. And yeah. and this is a story about one particular town. Okay. And, yeah, Martin's well,
0: going to talk to us about it. Wonderful. That sounds great. It should be. Yeah. I believe it will be. Okay, okay so okay, well we're going to climate go- strike. Yeah. Climate strike. Uh, look, and this, I mean, I just did a little bit of recording while I was there, so this will just give you a sense of the feel of it, just just a couple of minutes.
5: Mm. We're going to why would you not be here? It's, you know, there's lots of people who for various reasons can't and we just uh, need to support the students and the young people who are really taking such a good lead. That's crucial. I mean, it, what, what else can you say? I'm concerned about the lack of action on climate change. Um, I actually despair for, the, for my grandchildren particularly about the world that we're going to be leaving them.
0: And what do you think of
5: the crowd? I think it's quite amazing. I've been to lots of rallies before, and because I've got a bung knee, I come and sit at the side and watch it. I've been watching this one for half an hour now, and I still can't see the end. I reckon it's one of the biggest rallies I have ever
0: seen. And any idea how many people?
5: I reckon about 150,000 at least. When, when we had the um, union, union one with, against John Howard, that was 100,000. This is bigger than that. Oh, wow go! we go! On oh, climate On when we go! Oh,
0: <laughs> and then you were that was brilliant. <laughs> <you> know, some <laughs> of the, the people who were there, lots of people out, and I, and I wanted to start and finish with the students because it was great. But yeah, always good to have a brass band out.
3: Yeah, you know, yeah, it, makes, it takes you there, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. I know, obviously, I, I wasn't there, but you get a sense of yeah. what it would have been like to have been there.
0: Well, it was. It, that was the riff raff, mm. and yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what, but it was interesting because it was so huge that there were different pockets of things happening mm. so there were the speeches and then to, you know even get down to the speeches I think it took me half an hour <laughs> to get down to that part of things and then uh, there was another place where I think it was the Wilderness Society had some drummers drumming mm. and then I ran into the riffraff band and yeah and of course the students themselves I mean yeah, yeah what a day
4: yeah what a day and I think there was way over way over two hundred
0: and fifty thousand there. No, I think they were saying one fifty. Oh,
4: hundred percent. I reckon I reckon there was about four hundred thousand there just in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a lot. Oh, oh, I I'm actually being totally serious. I was like nah, there's there is a hell of a lot of people here. Uh, well, and it's,
3: it's hard and the thing how thing do it's you hard estimate to, and who, yeah.
4: who makes the estimation? Yeah. You know, and, and how oh, do we true. say yeah we're gonna go with that number? Yeah. Like I think it's I reckon it's in uh, the government's best interest. To play it as hundred and fifty thousand or a hundred thousand, yeah, which is still a lot. More than like there. it's
3: just still a lot. If it you is think hundred thousand, is in that small space. That's yeah. a lot, you know.
0: No, I'm curious, because totally to you, you said your your children were there, or mm. all of them.
3: No, just the two, so an yeah. eight year old and a six year old. I think it was just being able to give them, um, uh, you yeah. know, a sense of what it is that, that uh, rallies are, but yeah. also. I guess just to let them know that, um, you know, even children can make a difference, that they live by so many rules at home, you know, clean up your room, do this, but they, they can um, stand up for themselves if they believe in something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exciting. Because um, we've got right. the Muriel the, the, in Northcote there, the junction, and the... The indigenous murals, so the kids are always like, What are those people holding those placards? Mm. Yeah. And you know, now they've got a bit of an idea okay. as to why what people are saying, you know, land are. rights and things like that. So, yeah, but yeah. they got a lot out of it.
4: Yeah. What a great experience, I also think um, mm. it's amazing how it, it's become like call cool to care about things like that like when I was growing up it wasn't cool to care about anything really it was like you needed to stay aloof and like oh yeah whatever mm. I'm just going to do my own <laughs> yeah. thing yeah, yeah, we'll let the, we'll
3: let the, elderly, the yeah. parents help oh my and god it.
4: chill out what are you talking about like that is the attitude where I was growing up and when I grew <laughs> up to take on any stance politically yeah. right. and I love that these kids from such a young age yes. are actually that like, actually care mm. and I think that. That is what is just so powerful. I I love. I loved being there because I just Mm -hmm. thought, if if this if this was if this sort of attitude had surrounded me when I was younger, I don't know what that could have led to. But I just think them having this, yeah, them having this amount of. Yeah. Mm. Well, well, you know, it's of it. a
0: crisis. I mean, it's, mm. it's, and it is. It there's is. no time to waste here. And, mm. and they're the ones that are going to wear it, you know. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's... And it's, hearing it's, little
3: kids explain why they were there is yes. quite important. My six-year-old sort of a friend of mine yesterday said, oh, well, why did, what was the climate struggle about? And she just sort of talked about, you know, plastic and what plastic is doing to the oceans. And I was like, oh. Didn't realise she was taking it all it's in, but just, that's just one. Showing, It's showing all the
0: other stuff. Well, it, isn't it? yeah,
3: yeah, it's sort <laughs> so of, yeah, it's making an impact, which yeah. is really the, the whole and point. And you,
0: it's wonderful when your children do, you know, kind of lead educate you, you. <laughs> educate you, yeah. and aid, they will. and uh, and you know, no, so it wasn't like just kids coming out just on oh, a day off school. It wasn't that mm. clearly for you know for your yeah. child. Well, we
3: took them out of school, but in Sydney, yeah, um, some schools. Made their kids take the whole
0: day off. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there yeah. was a lot, and and there were workplaces as well with mm. gay people time yeah. off. So, no, it was it was huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was epic. A little bit of music, and shall then we? we'll
3: get uh, a musician on Tony yeah. Gould.
0: Yeah, this is so odd. That's a beautiful classic, Sodad, and uh, from a group from Bilbao called the Bilbao or with Kappa Chancera on the accordion.
3: And it's time now for our next guest. Uh, for almost 20 years, the Hush Foundation has been working with renowned Australian artists to create music of joy and calm, originally to support children in the hospital and now enjoyed everywhere from concert halls to living rooms. The Hush Foundation... Hush Foundation was established in 2000 by highly awarded and renowned physician Dr. Catherine Crock AM in response to her work with children undergoing painful medical procedures at the Royal Children's Hospital. This year, the Gathering of Kindness is the Hush Collection Volume 19, which has been composed by pianist Tony Gould and guitarist Peter Petrucci. The album will be released on Friday the 4th of October, but to find out a little bit more about you know, what this album is all about and, um, I guess, you know, how it came about. We are joined by the, um, Tony Gould, who heads up the program. He's a pianist and he has been working with uh, Peter to release his album. Good morning, Tony.
6: Good morning, Dean.
3: Thanks. thanks for joining us on 3CR. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, you know, what made you and Peter want to get involved in, in producing an album such as this?
6: Well, I've gone a, I go back a long way with Cat um, Croc, who you mentioned earlier, which when Tush was first started, I've already made a CD quite a few years ago. Now, and Cat uh, Croc approached me again to make another one. Uh, and so I've had a long association with both Cat and Croc and Peter. Petrucci, one of the marvellous guitarists, uh, and so uh, she asked me to put together a new new CD, as, as they do from time to time in the Hush series, and so we did it, and uh, it's as you said, about to be launched.
3: And so you mentioned that you've been involved with Catherine for a long, long time, and since you've yeah. been involved, have you yourself, I guess, through the music, have had any first-hand experience on how... Uh, listening to some of your music has shown to be, I guess, more successful um, than, let's say, prescription
6: drugs? (laughs) Well, music, I I was thinking about this, I've been thinking about this for weeks, and first of all, I can't imagine life without music, the first thing that surrounds us every time. First-hand experience, when, when I first met Kath, I thought that she was inviting me to the hospital as she was, in, and I thought she was inviting me in to show me around, but no, I was invited into the operating theatre where she was uh, doing some procedures on very young kids. I've got to tell you, it was life-changing to sit very, stand very close to what she was doing. And, uh, so, uh, and there was music in the background even then, uh, in the early part of Hush. And, um, from th- that time on, I was convinced, and I know Catherine is too, that music, uh, is not, not just a sort of, in a sense, a basic therapeutic thing, but it really does can change lives. It can certainly make everybody feel at ease, and I don't mean just the patient and the child and the parents, but the staff as well. It was a like, seriously life-changing uh, experience for me, and ever since then I've, uh, I've
3: always thought about how how helpful music he is to life. I reckon. Mm, and I know Bob Marley once sang, "One good thing about music is when it hits you, you feel no pain." In Trenchtown rock, so it's a, it's an explosive expression of humanity, and and I think music is something we're all touched by, no matter what culture you're from. And, and, and Place, yeah. yeah, and, and recently have, have, has there been a shift towards sort of, you know, people talk about music therapy within healthcare settings and uh, are yeah. more physicians, nurses and I guess even occupational therapists, um, you know, uh, supporting the utilisation of music uh, since this project has began? No, no, absolutely
6: no doubt about that. I actually first experienced just, uh, at music in hospitals in San Diego many years ago where I did a little concert in the foyer of one uh, of one of the, one of the uh, private hospitals. I think it's called Scripps in San Diego. And uh, during the performance, I noticed that the patients were there, or well, the ones who could make it down. We televised the thing so that people could hear it. And I think that's happening in Hush too now. But I was I was conscious that the uh, the visitors and the staff and the nurses and the doctors were all there too. But I so I think Hush from going from. Hush, as we know it, to the gathering of kindness, mm. as, as you now know, international in its, uh, in its efforts to um, use music in, in a very, very broad dimension so that people of all walks of life can, uh, can enjoy or understand the, the, the value of music in society.
3: Mm. And, and with this latest album being named after the healthcare events that uh, Hush has hosted since uh, 2006... Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what you've got? I know the uh, the album launch, I think, is on Sunday, uh, the 6th of October at 4 Um, p.m. Can you tell us a little bit about how, after that, what you've got? Are you doing any live shows? Are you going on the road with it into other hospitals? Who
6: knows, Dean? Very likely. I've I've done a fair bit of playing in hospitals. But anyway, I'm sure we'll be doing that. Uh, I'll certainly be be doing that. Um, Catherine's uh very... um, you, you can't say no to Catherine. You know, mm. and the the most, the mo- <laughs> if you know her, you. Uh, but that, it's all for just a wonderful purpose. As far as the music goes, we uh, both Peter and I composed pieces for this. The brief has always been, as uh, she is to, is to have music that's not uh, not simple. Uh, 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 well, simple in one way, but not never simplistic. And as you as you noted before, some of the, the greatest musicians. Australia's greatest musicians have contributed to this, including, you know, orchestras, things like that. So the music is, the brief, uh, it, it really hasn't changed much. It's supposed, it should be calm, calming. Mm. It should have some substance in it, as distinct from the sort of, uh, you know, the rock message. Um, that's another story. Mm. And it also should have a note of optimism. In it. So when we, when we write for music for, for Hush and this particular album, it's got, that, the brief is that. some little a few signs of optimism mm. it's, 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 I think it's beyond the calming dimension now I think it's uh, you know the, the, if you listen to the other hush recordings they're all really beautiful art music I'd call it so uh, it's a great thing to be involved in I love it
0: yeah and, and Judith here I was just really um I know taken with your saying it was life-changing to see the impact of it in the hospital. Can you kind of describe that that moment when that really hit you? Uh,
6: Well, um, I recall in the operating theatre with Catherine, uh, I actually thought she was just a... When I met her, she wasn't in operating gear. She was just in uh, street clothes, and I thought, oh, she's just an administrator, but she didn't tell me that she was inviting me into the operating theatre. It's it's, uh, it's a really strange... Sort of, I could best describe it as up close and and um, very, in a sense, exciting, but also um, very kind of worrying because it's the the uh, procedure that she was doing was was for chemo on young kids. Yes. I've never been. I've been in plenty of operating theatres, but yes. I haven't been in, you know, for the wrong reasons. But I, but I was standing there very very close to her. And uh, it, that's what I mean about life-changing. And mm. uh, the music was in the background. I, de- I wasn't listening to the music, but it was there, if you know what I mean. It's kind of, uh, It was just there as a sort of calming thing. Actually, I'm very grateful it was.
0: Oh, <laughs> I took a yes.
6: couple of musician friends of mine in on uh, in another occasion, and they couldn't handle the, uh, the up-closeness of it. It, it <laughs> I, would be very but, intense mm. from what you're uh,
0: describing. I, mm. I,
6: started to, I started looking at one of them and looking, uh, started to turn a little grey, so I said I think you might just <laughs> need to leave. So that that's what I mean by life changing. I've never forgotten that. And I mean the great thing about it is uh, and I include music in this, is it realises, you know, the troubles that people can have sometimes and you know, it also makes you realise how lucky you are mm-hmm. yes.
0: so, there's many levels happening. by the sound of it. Very very much so.
3: And I guess it is um, that, that universal bond with music that has led people such as Catherine and I guess uh, researchers across the globe to yeah. investigate the, 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 the therapeutic potential. And in your case, you know, Catherine has given you and, and Peter um, license, uh, the, the opportunity to produce and license unique and original music and, and arts projects that in, improve um, outcomes for patients, which is fantastic
6: yeah look that's absolutely true I And mean, also I mean ever to think about it. it's all original music that was the, also the brief so it's all you know there are now 19 albums mm. CDs now of all Australian music and I think that's just an added fantastic bonus to be honest with you
3: And we're talking to Tony Gould-AM, pianist, composer, author. Um, I know I mentioned that the album is on the 6th of October, but uh, just before we we let you go, I know you've got to rush off. Hush is also hosting a ticketed event at KPMG in Melbourne on Thursday, 14th of November. Do you have any idea as to how people can get involved there?
6: Look, I'd love to be able to tell you, Dean, but I don't. That's a a, a catchphrase. Yeah, yeah. I know it's on and they'll be, as always, gathering the context. There's always music. I'll probably be playing something or uh, it's all, uh, there's always music there. Yeah, that's a sort of uh, a given, mm. actually. But I wish I could tell you, I know we're at KPMG and I played last year there. So mm.
0: We mm. can we can w- find out closer to the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, I can't give you
6: any more input. You but know, the um, It's a great occasion.
3: The, the Waki Auditorium is open to all at 4 p.m., isn't it? At ABC Southbank Melbourne, that's where the album sure launch is. will be. Sure so, is. so, if people would like to go and hear um, yep. the, the, the new album, they can go down there. Um, yes. Yes, Tony, works, thank you very much for joining us on, on 3CR and giving us an insight into, I guess you know, as, as I mentioned, um, the, the, the power of, of what you and Catherine and, and Peter have been doing and will continue to do. Thanks so much, Dean, for inviting us. All the very best. Thank you. Uh, and that was uh, Tony Gould, who is um, you know, a, profil- a prolific performer and composer, and he, he talked about you know, that, the powerful impact that, that being in an operating theatre had. And, and I think the brief is quite important um, as to what they had to produce. It had to be calming music, but it also had to provide optimism. And I'm not a musician, but you know, to even write a hit song would be hard. But to try and write a song where you... Yeah. Giving that yeah. type of hope to people yeah. would be very, very difficult. And
0: I love that it, you know, it was original music. It's not canned music. It's original. It's as he said, it's uh, simple but not simplistic. Yeah. So there would be many parts, and it's Australian, which is, you know, fantastic as mm. well. I
4: didn't realise when he was describing that the musicians would be in the, in the room. Well, yes, only operate
3: uh, in the theatre. Well, no, he, no, not, not, I mean, obviously the album's released for that, so yeah. they play it, but when he took, he, when he went, he took some of his friends in there.
1: Ah. And so
3: he said, you know, he didn't even hear the music because he was so distracted about of course, watching what was happening. Yeah. But, you know, there might be the, the one odd occasion where Catherine might sort of to help Hush Foundation say hey come in this is it and then yeah, yeah I'm just assuming and you have a big brass band oh, wow. playing in there you well like, I
0: have a feeling it's not a brass band <laughs> sorry sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. that might be a little distracting the orchestra <laughs> we're I mean, just still so excited <laughs> about the climate march <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And, and I think um,
3: I think music in itself is very very healing we know oh, yes, that it, it is, you know, yeah, it is. Uh, the music yeah. we play here even though I might not know whose sister
0: oh, uh, oh um, uh, Weetha Lady Lash Lady Lash and and Sister Girl is the song so that's Weetha she's she's part of that group yeah it's something that
3: we're all touched by
0: yeah Yeah. oh it is Uh, it is yes and I think we're going to have some right now yeah Sampa the Great Black Girl Magic
5: we challenge, if you need losing Ooh, my back again. It will never end, end. we we'll keep multiplying. through the evidence, they no denying. Some people keep on shining. Who that lady got some lip. From my mama got We just put some piece in it, we keep on trying. Now. Hold on my.
0: The beautiful voice of Sampa the Grey with Black Girl Magic. Just fabulous. Now, we're joined on the line by Cam Walker, who's Campaign's Coordinator for Friends of the Earth. And uh, welcome to 3CR, Cam.
7: Thank you, Judith.
0: Yes, and I know you're an old friend to the station. I'm I'm sure I've interviewed you at least once before, if not twice. And I know Dean knows you as well. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. So uh, we had a press release just last week saying that Friends of the Earth was about to embark on three campaigns, and the first one uh, you talk about is the defending the moratorium on onshore gas drilling. Can you give us a bit of background uh, to that campaign?
7: Yeah, sure. So Victoria has seen one of the most impressive. Campaigns to protect land and water from gas drilling that Australia's ever seen. So it started in about 2011. It revolved around farming communities across southern Victoria getting themselves organised and, uh, surveying their community and then declaring themselves gas field free. And that built a huge amount of political power. And that resulted in all onshore gas drilling being put under a moratorium in the state. That was in about 2014. And then, uh, subsequent to that, There was a state, and following a a cross-party inquiry that happened, at the state level there was a permanent ban put on the process of fracking or hydraulic fracturing, which is a very destructive way of accessing gas. So the the fracking ban is now permanent, but the moratorium on conventional onshore gas drilling, so drilling for gas, for instance, in farmland, set to expire in June next year so it was a you know a really fantastic victory it stopped development of this destructive industry uh, onshore in the state but it is coming up for, for review mid next year.
0: Do you have any sense that it could be at risk at all with that review? What's your feeling?
7: It's potentially will just lapse and then the state will be open up to gas exploration again. There's a parallel process which is the Victorian gas program And that's a government program which is looking into where the gas reserves are and where the most commercial ones might be. But the backdrop to this is um, particularly the Murdoch press, but also some of the other business press and the gas industry really hate this moratorium. Whenever one community wins, it sets an example for other communities to struggle.
3: So I was going to say, so it's easier to not have it in the mainstream and somehow just uh, let it lapse.
7: Yes, let it lapse, but they're also uh, putting a lot of pressure on the state government, so there's this kind of fear-mongering going on that all, if we don't lift the moratorium, we won't be able to afford gas, and therefore jobs will flee interstate. So there's this kind of we'll be living in the dark and the caves narrative that's being run through the business media, and that is driven by the gas industry. And as I say, they really hate the moratorium because it does give uh, hope to other communities that are also fighting against the industry. So they're throwing everything at it. So we have, on the one hand, a government that's a little bit ambivalent and wants to be seen to be you know, open for business, We've got a gas industry and their mates in the mainstream media who are saying, Lift the ban. So what we need to balance that out is an energised and mobilised community movement. Um so that's our job now is to do, to kind of, you know, reignite the campaign that existed from two thousand and eleven to two thousand and sixteen and kind of get those people out again and saying, Well actually, you know, with global warming now having hit one point one degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels and us on track to pre-degrees and beyond we really can't afford any more new gas drilling so we need to maintain the moratorium
0: yes and i think the young people that who came out on front last friday would certainly be supporting that what's your sense about the farming community that got behind it i mean it's so exciting as you described it that you know, the community did really get behind it and became strong advocates. Has the mood changed there, or do you think that people are ready to continue supporting it?
7: We're just testing that at present. So um, through that campaign that I mentioned, 75 regional communities across southern Australia declared themselves gas fuel-free. So that was thousands and thousands of people in regional centres got themselves organised. Through that process, we set up two regional groups. One was called Protect the West in Western Dick, and one was called Gippsland Alliance. Uh, obviously to the east of Melbourne. So those groups are kind of getting started again. And we're actually going to have a little week of actions uh, in next month from October 5 to 13, uh, basically, where people can indicate that they do support the moratorium being sustained. So our feeling is there still is, you know, fire in the valley in the community out there. But it's also interesting, those campaigns were primarily one in the bush. They weren't city campaigns until the I very see. end. I oh,
0: see. That's mm-hmm. interesting.
7: Yeah, which is interesting because often, you know, conservative voters are seen as being, you know, uh, opposed to action on climate change, yet they drove and created this campaign. So if you add that old campaign from farming communities to the resurgent climate uh, movement we're seeing in places like Melbourne because of the climate strike and Extinction Rebellion and everything else, then, you know, you have to hope have a pretty good chance of seeing the moratorium sustained and extended.
0: And uh, what's the impact on water if the moratorium were to end?
7: The impact of what's called conventional gas drilling is less on water supplies uh, because you're not using the, the micro-earthquake technique um that's employed in fracking. Yes. So to be clear, the impacts on groundwater aren't as bad, although you do run the risk of contamination whenever you're drilling through aquifers. Yes. The greatest risk from the, the conventional moratorium being lifted is the climate implications because Methane, as we know, is a really potent greenhouse gas, and a lot of methane is released as what they call fugitive emissions, the emissions that are lost during the drilling and processing phase. So this campaign, the frame will be more around climate change than around uh, groundwater, uh, as was the case with the fracking campaign, but certainly what it does mean is industrialisation of landscapes, and that really concerns a lot of people living in regional Victoria.
0: Yes, and it's great to hear from people from regional Victoria and and really to get out and talk to people because I don't think really it gets enough coverage generally in the news and, you know, we're not hearing enough and the needs are are huge, and uh, and the activism is also more than people realize. I mean, there's communities that have welcomed refugees, just for an example, Mm. you know, like Biloela, but also here in Victoria as well. You know, there's uh, different rural communities who have been really active in supporting refugees. So hearing and supporting what those rural communities want, I think, is really important. Yes, indeed. And, and Cam, so what if people are wanting to come on board uh, and and hear more or become involved, what can they do?
7: So in the short term, there's just some simple things. We need to get this on the radar of the state government because they feel that people really don't care about this issue. So if people just do a web search for Frenzy Earth then you'll find the website with resources. There's a petition to the Premier. That would be great if people could send that. But um, you'll see also a link there through to a week of actions in October and it's a really simple, basically a photo opportunity where you take a photo of yourself saying I want the moratorium to be extended, you know, basically indicate your support for defending it and then you tag in the Premier and other key MPs. So this um, is the stage in the campaign where you're kind of tossing the rock in the pond to send the ripples out. It's, it's a really simple action and then that will ripple out and that will let lots really great if people would just, you know, take a really simple photo of them somewhere that they love, somewhere that's at risk potentially from this drilling because this drilling could occur across Western Victoria. Mm. It could occur across sections of Gippsland as well. But, you know, wherever you are, we're all going to be impacted by climate change. So just send a really simple message to the Premier that people are watching and that they want to see an end to further fossil fuel developments in the state and an easy way for the the government to do that is to extend the moratorium.
3: Extend the moratorium.
7: Exactly, yes. And uh,
0: hashtag keep it in the ground. Great. And and it looks like October the 5th to the 13th are the crucial days when we're going to be, when we are, everyone here at 3CR Mm. and I'm sure our listeners as well uh, will be getting out taking photos and sending them in. And this sounds like a great campaign and a really important one, but you're also working on two others as well. So maybe if we can just touch on those quickly, getting science-based emission reduction targets. What are you working on there?
7: Yes, so in Australia, our emissions have gone to a seven-year high in terms of greenhouse gas emissions. So, unfortunately, the federal government has comprehensively failed us, And this is happening around the world. So in the United States, where the Trump government has basically, you know, turned done an 180-degree turn on climate action, the result is, in the real world, that the state jurisdictions are stepping up. So in the USA, you have California and Colorado and New York. All these states are setting state-based emission targets. That's also the case here in Australia, so the ACT has set a really high target um, and in Victoria we have a target of being net zero emissions by mid-century. We'd argue that's too late, but um, at least it's good that they're setting a framework in place. And there's now a process that will set the emission reduction targets for 2025 and 2030 in Victoria. And we're saying it's essential that these are deep and these get on with the job of transitioning our energy so don't wait, you know, 10 or 20 years to put dead targets. Do that, the heavy lifting in the first two sets of targets. Yeah. Government is mm-hmm. considering at present what those targets should be. And our line is they should be based on the best available science and they need to begin the work of the transition, of a, particularly of our energy sector, which currently relies on coal.
0: Yes, and the sooner the better, as you say. Mm-hmm. And then the last item on the, on, in the press release was about the Ex- Exxon Mobil's plans to sell its gas and oil assets in the Bass
3: Strait. Really big news.
7: Yeah, it is. Can you just tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, this is really big news because for a long while we have relied for most of our gas coming out of Bass Strait and the assumption was there's, quote, decades worth of gas still there and it's become apparent those fields are becoming depleted much faster than had been anticipated. And um, as a domestic consumer, if you've got gas at home in your stove top or in your heater, you're basically competing with the international market now because we have this liquid uh, natural gas market operating out of Queensland and we've got a national grid. So the gas that is being produced in Bass goes into the grid and about half of it goes into states. So we're, we're basically competing with consumers overseas and that's the reason our gas prices are so high. Yes. But with mm. this major source of gas in rapid de- decline and, and, and unexpected decline, that is actually a, a, it's like the warning light on the dashboard is going to start flashing saying we're actually running out of gas, this isn't something that's going to happen in future decades, this is happening now and the fact that this company who have been there for decades has said we want to get out uh, is indicative of you know the, the rising costs of extracting a declining resource out of those depleted gas fields and oil as well I should point out and so it's kind of like a warning signal. Well, we need to stop thinking that gas will save us. There is no new
1: cheap yes. gas.
3: Renewable. So exactly. Exxon wouldn't sell for no reason.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. exactly. But it does it does raise issues for the Great Australian Bite, though. Mm. As I imagine, Equinor is uh, would be keen to kind of um, move into that market. Uh, I'm not. I I'm mean, that's another topic in a way.
7: Yes. Of course, and, and often, you know, you make the money in the early stages because that's when the flows are going to be great. What we're facing in Bass Strait is the declining end. You know, mm. it was all yes. fantastic in the early days, but then you've got these gas rigs that are offshore that need to be then capped and dealt with safely to make sure they then don't leak. So why would we, in, in the Great Australian Bite in really deep waters, allow some companies to go in there to make some short-term profit? Full potential, you know, long term risk to the community. So again, it highlights this thing around corporate re- responsibility, making money off public assets and then basically, you know, uh, lifting stakes and, and heading out and us leave left Indeed,
0: and the yeah. risks are high and uh, in, the, in the bite, that's for sure. So, yes. Cam Walker, thank you so much for coming on the show this morning, and I don't think it will be too long before we'll be <laughs> inviting you on again. And all the best with that campaign, uh, defending the moratorium on, on onshore gas drilling. That sounds so important, and we'll continue to let our listeners know that that's happening. Thanks, and
3: thanks for the support. Bye. Thanks, Cam. Uh, in, it's interesting when you was talking about that, that, uh, getting science-based emission reduction targets saying that in the US like New York and all those places are setting their own and you mentioned that the states are setting their own I wonder if we'll ever get to a point where Moreland City Council, Darabin and Yarra are setting their own at one point Well you know? I
0: mean as we know Darabin has, uh, has declared a climate emergency mm. and they've already put things in place so yeah, the good one to follow up mm. might have to speak with the mayor again <laughs> <laughs> Yes
2: Victoria's roadside drug testing program is not about road safety In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform It was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment Currently Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA But those detections do not correlate with impairment Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads, and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition, parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council forward slash petitions. And look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117.
0: A 3 CR supporter. And uh, we, we had Greg Denim on last week talking about yeah. that very matter, actually. We, yeah. 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 Yeah, very interesting. So, as I said, I did go to a few rallies last week. And, uh, <laughs> busy. <laughs> busy, about You're our rally champion. Well, I hadn't been. I know you have, Alice, been to a, a rally for the Tamil family that are, it's threatened to be deported. Yeah. And um, so I hadn't, and I've been so concerned about it, and I thought, no, this one, I just have to get out there and be there, just, you know, my body standing there in solidarity. And then I thought, well, if I'm there, I may as well do some interviews and, and you know, just hear a bit more. And, and more of a reminder, I know so many people here at 3CR have been following this story. Tuesday Breakfast had a great interview on it last week, and uh, it's such an important story. And it, it, it's important to to keep in the public eye, I think. So the family have been fighting deport, against deportation to Sri Lanka. As you we didn't know when in these interviews mm-hmm. occurred, but mm-hmm. as we uh, ha- do know now, they have been given a reprieve after a federal court judge ruled there was uh, enough evidence for a protection visa claim to go to trial. But when I, as I said, when I went along with the demonstration, we didn't know that. And uh, so there, were lo- there was lots of support, people out in front of the federal court. So what I'm offering here are some excerpts from some of the speeches, not the whole speeches, we wouldn't have time for that. And we're going to start with uh, Kieran McGee from the Refugee Action Collective, Victoria.
8: Karen Nadez had been in Australia since 2013 and 2012, respectively. They both contributed to the local community and they started a family together. At the time of that Border Force raid, their daughters were only two years old and nine months old. This violent episode was the start of an ongoing program of deprivation, denied their freedom, denied adequate health care, denied an opportunity to rebuild their lives in a community that they had made their home, a community that has continued to show their support, a community that has made their voice heard all across the country. Now, while court action continues, the government has used their power to isolate Priya, Nardes, Copica and Taranaka on Christmas Island in a vindictive addition to a continued campaign of smite. This is a deliberate policy of intimidation based on this family and asylum seekers and refugees on, on shore and offshore. So it is so very important to keep the voices of support and the demonstrations of support for this family, to show the government that Australians, from the city to the bush, from children to grandparents, from all sides of politics, will stand up for Priya, Nardes, Kopika and Taranika, and all asylum seekers and refugees. And today, we're hoping that the court provides some breathing space for this family, some breathing space from this threatened deportation, some time to continue the legal fight. But in truth, we know it will be the voice of the people, the people here, the actions that people have taken, attended rallies, the thousands of people who have posted pictures on, of support on social media, the actions of the people from Biloela, who have travelled all over Australia to show their support for a family that they simply want to be able to build a home and build a a life in peace in a a community that welcomes them. Over 250,000 people have now signed a petition calling for them to stay. It is time for their voice to be heard. Irrespective of the legal outcome today, Minister Dutton has the power to intervene and prevent this family from being deported to danger. He has done so in the case of au pairs, of families that he had connections to. Unlike those au pairs though, this family faces grave danger if they are deported to Sri Lanka.
0: Kieran McGee from the Refugee Action Collective Toria. Aaron Milveganam from the Refugee Council also spoke at the rally.
5: It has been over five hundred and sixty days since Piria Nadez and their children were taken from Villa Villa. Over this period there have been three deportation attempts. They have been moved to so many different places, every time involving scores of guards who separated the children from their parents. When I spoke with Peria last night, she said, Gopika refuses to talk to her friends and relatives. All she wants is to go back to Bilomila. Bila. says, They're kept in jail-like conditions on Christmas Island, surrounded by seven Soko guards. Australian border force has ordered the guards to capture every movement of the family on camera. What's happening to this family on Christmas Island is psychological torture. Our government is willing to go to any length. To make themselves look tough, our people only ten years ago faced a genocide at the hands of the Sri Lankan state. Over 100,000 camels were slaughtered by the Sri Lankan government in 2009. Tens of thousands of camels went missing in 2009. And now Tamils are living under a military occupation. Where Piriya and Nanes come from, for every five Tamil, there is an army member present in the north and east of Sri Lanka. Peter Dutton and the Muslim government is ignoring all of our experiences. They're ignoring what the United Nations says. They're ignoring. What the Human Rights Watch says, they ignore the facts and make insensitive comments because they want to maintain good relations with the Sri government.
0: Aaron Milvaganam from the Refugee Council. And now we hear from James, representing the people of Bila
9: Today I'm trying to echo the message of hope that... All the people of Billawila, all the people of the Home to Biliwila movement have been trying to send for this family over the last 18 to 21 months. The way the government are talking about this at the moment, they seem to be pretending that, that this family is not going to be deported to danger. They're pretending that they haven't been able to see or hear about all the travesties that have happened to specifically Priya and her family over there. To pretend that this isn't deporting to danger is just ridiculous. They don't seem to be speaking our language at the moment or understanding the way we're speaking about this, so as mercenary as it must seem, I'll try to speak in their language. They've made so many requirements of people who are wishing to be new Australians, and major ones are that they'll integrate into the community and support and work hard in, uh, wherever they are in Australia. And, the idea of them integrating into the community has been proven so much by the thousands of people that have come out from Biloela to support them. I myself used to work in the same meatworks as Nadez, and I can guarantee you that that's incredibly hard work, but it's also really crucial work as well for the area. While other working opportunities brought, took other workers to different areas or different industries in the area, It was left to people like Nadez and Priya, people wishing to become new Australians, that actually kept that business afloat. The business that had been supporting Biloela and the graziers of the region for decades. So they have met your criteria, and I just... The time for pretending is truly over at the moment. They need ministerial intervention. They need people to, our politicians, to act as leaders because the ministerial intervention itself is surely designed for, for a leader to use. When all legal avenues have been expended, then we need them to look and say, "Well, if they don't, if they don't intervene now, then this won't result in justice." So we just ask the ministers to please recognise that keeping this family here in our hometown is definitely in the public interest and stop pretending that it
0: isn't. And indeed, stop pretending that it isn't. And as everyone went into the court um, to see, to observe and to provide support um, during the proceedings, I had an opportunity again to catch up with Kieran McGee.
8: So it's a little bit unclear exactly what's going to be unfolding today. The expectation that has been explained to me is that it'll be more of a procedural matter, And by procedural matter, I mean that they'll be arguing about the way that the case will go forward.
0: There's no question the case will go forward.
8: The hope is that the case will go forward. So there is, as I understand it, there is a chance that the judge will rule that there is no merit in the case that has been put forward by the family's lawyers. Uh, That that is the major risk. Uh, Hopefully, the judge will accept that there is a, a prima facie case and that, therefore, the next step will be, well, how long will the case take, where will it be be held, etc. So, we have to wait and see.
0: And uh, do you have any sense of a decision will be known today?
8: I'm not 100% sure. What I expect is we will have a decision as to the merits of the case, but it is possible that they will continue to be debating the legal elements of it. Sadly all of this could be resolved by the Minister making a decision in support of the family and that's what we want to get people out uh, campaigning, talking to the Minister, letting him know that this family deserves to have their protection, deserves to be allowed to rebuild their lives.
0: By the time this goes to air next Monday we will have some sort of a decision. If the decision is uh, the need for more legal work, then what happens?
8: If the decision is for more legal work, then the, the lawyers will outline what is required, more detail at that point about the particular elements of the case that are up for judgment. So I think the important thing will be to read the, the rulings out of today and find out the decisions are. Once we have that further information, we'll make, our, we'll make the next steps.
0: If it is going to go on longer, uh, does that mean the family will be removed from Christmas Island, or again, do you have any idea?
8: One could only hope that they would be removed from Christmas Island. That would be a call that we would also be making to the government, that they do not need to keep a level of spiteful separation. Sadly, I think the cruelty is the card that they want to play. Uh, It it is inhumane, it is unnecessary, it is simply vindictive, uh, but it is part of the bully politics that Peter Dutton plays.
0: Kieran McGee from the Refugee Action Collective. It was this young woman who I spoke to at the end of the rally who summed it all up for me
2: as an Aboriginal woman, the concept that people who came here on tall ships and dispossessed us have the right to say who can and can't be here when they're seeking safety is absolutely just, like, beyond comprehension and beyond reprehensible. So I think that there's, you know, there's a natural solidarity between us blackfellas and the refugee fight for justice in that we are both being oppressed by people who honestly don't have any mandate to be doing that.
10: And darkness overcomes us And we cannot find our way Although we keep on searching For the light of day And we hear the children crying And we don't know what to do Gotta hold on to each other See us through the let, let it guide us through the night that we may stay together and keep our That will keep us safe from harm Oh, I cover up my ears So I cannot hear The voices of hate And the voices of fear And I cover up my eyes cannot see what's happened to this country that used
1: to be free.
10: Play love.
0: that was Uncle Archie Roach with the beautiful song, Let Love Rule. But now it's going to be a total change of mood and a total change of place. So um, we're heading north, like quite far away. <laughs> so I'd like you just to grab your seats for a moment as we bring in our next guest.
9: I's to buy the bills of boat, and used to, go to go buy the her and used to go buy go to go catch the fish and brings them home to Liza. Hip your partner, Sally Brown, hip your partner, Sally Brown, for the twinning in all around the circle. Suns and rides to come your plate, taking tea for bank, cod fishing in the spring of the year, fried and Maggiey bonzer. Hip your partner, Sally Brown, hip your partner, Sally Brown, for the twinning in all around the circle. I don't your fish? they goes no good so crowd. that's got us all in the mood,
4: I think. And <laughs> <laughs> sit down, sit down, please, Judy. Um, and now we are so lucky we have Martin Croft in the studio of us today. Australian Associate Director, Come From Away, the remarkable true story of thousands of stranded passengers and the small town that welcomed them on the morning of 9-11-2001. And I love this line that I just got from the introductory on their website, which is, On September 11, their world stopped. On September 12, their stories moved us all. So, Martin, thank you so much for That's joining us. It's a pleasure. And um, what is Come From Away?
11: Come From Away is a, a, a music theatre show um, that uh, was written by two Canadians about this event that happened in, uh, on the island of Newfoundland, mainly in the little town of Gander, uh, when on 9-11 all the, uh, the flights that w- were in the air that were headed towards America were told to, to head to the nearest airport, basically, or go back to where they came from, as they closed down on the traffic. Um, so this little town of Gander happened to have almost, not quite a decommissioned, but a, a, a rarely used now um, airport uh, that could take jumbo jets of those in those days, the jumbos. And uh, so that was one of the airports that was told to. To open Mm -hmm. up and land, and these seven thousand people arrived on the doorstep of uh, a a little town that was about the same size Mm -hmm. as that. So it was sort of almost one for one. And so the story is really not about 9/11. Sort of sits in the background as a reason for for what happened, but it's it's about what happened over the next few days, the next five days in this town as the town embraced the. Mm the people and the people embrace them and the incredible experiences that, and sense of community and well-being and the empathy and love that, that happened um, and that, um, you know, for most of those relationships are, are still going to this day, you know, 18 years later. Can you believe it? Wow. It's 18 years.
4: And what does the term come from away? Actually? That's a term
11: that they, they use, all the Newfoundlanders use, about anybody who's not from Newfoundland, yeah. basically, yeah. even other Canadians that come from away. Is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I love that. And so you're Australian Associate Director. Yes. So
11: how does that actually work? Well, we we were very lucky to have the original creative team. The original director, Christopher Ashley, came out, and Kelly Devine, the choreographer, and Ian, the musical director, came out to Australia um, with some of their associates as well. And so we all worked together. Um, The the Australian team sort of had to learn the show along Mm. with the cast. And uh, once they left, then it's up to... It's my it's job to, to maintain it <laughs> and <laughs> keep it all on point. Wow. Into we have three, uh, six wonderful standbys, three women and three men, who all have to cover four roles each. Mm. And uh, I don't know whether you you've seen the the production, show. Yeah. the production team? Or? No, this, they're, they're, they're standbys, so mm. they go on and oh. they if somebody gets sick... They go on and do any one of four roles that they've, they've been understudied. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, these
6: are the actors, you're talking yes, about, the and yeah. yes, it's and yes Pardon, yeah.
11: to be yeah.
3: understudied just for one.
1: Uh, it, yeah, it is. Perfect, and four. I
11: don't know if you've seen the show, but it's a very, very, very intricate show. Um, there's a lot of chairs and tables, and moves and positions, and if you're in the wrong spot, then the whole, c- you know, pack wow. of cards falls down. So they they they're having to learn that four times, and they're very diff- Each plot's very different. That's so incredible. It is. They're wonderful.
4: And so, how long did you have to spend with the Canadian team? To uh, learn the the, the, the American team actually, the American yeah,
11: team. the Canadian writers, but American uh, creative team. Um, they were out here for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, so, yeah, it was very intense. Intensive. Yes, yes. But I'd been to... I went to New York and Toronto and saw the show there. Wow. Um Six or seven times in New York and three times in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So.
4: And what did you think initially when you saw... When you first saw the show? Well, at this point, did you know you were going to be yes, a okay. yes,
11: yes, yes. The, the, the uh, production company here, Rodney Rigby at New Theatricals, took me over there to see it. And, um, well, the first time, you know... I just was a blubbering mess actually. <laughs> but the 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 wonderful thing about it is it's very moving but for all the right reasons. It's not you it's not like it's sad. It's it's you cry because of these beautiful things that happen and it makes you feel just like why isn't the rest of the world like this all the time you know mm. because it's not that hard to do it's just to be nice to people yeah kindness <laughs> isn't it yeah isn't it? absolutely uh,
3: uh, and just quickly one who is the intended audience i saw that i've seen the billboards recently mm. and mm. and i was like oh it would be great to to hear from martin tomorrow morning who mm. you know who what's the intended audience
11: everybody really yeah. it's it's we we have a wonderful um, which uh, Jason Mariner, the Mariner family, and our uh, producers as well have a, a, a program that are encouraging school children to come and give them incredibly cheap tickets to come. So we're, we're ranging right from um, school kids, high school children, all the way through mm-hmm. to the, the full audience. And I audience.
4: Saw on the website, isn't there a, the teacher's guide that you can download? Yep. As well, well as it's so on the curriculum yeah. for,
11: for drama. Um, in the, I think it's called the HSC now, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean,
0: one of the things that really I have seen it. I have seen it twice. <laughs> oh, you're a
11: fan? Yes, I can see you. it's all over your.
0: It's uh, the T-shirt. As I saw it in Toronto mm-hmm. last year. And I saw it again here. And both times, I mean, moving, as you say, you know, all mm. those things. But the theater craft of, of the play, I mean, what the actors, as you've pointed out, mm. have to manage within that, the tightness mm-hmm. of that, the, the way the set works with, um, you know, the chairs just being moved around to create and tables to Everything. create whole different settings, mm. yeah. And, you know, there's nothing fancy. Like, there's no, you know, things, big ma- machines and things like making that no, happen. No, helicopters. No. no, none <laughs> of <laughs> that. No, it, and to me, you've got to be on your metal, you yeah. know, if you're an actor in that, Absolutely. a producer, all of that. It's so.
11: a wonderful mm. thing that happens within the company. Um, it, it reflects actually what happened In Gander, is that everybody relies on each other in the company. You know, there's no starring role. Everybody has their moment, but there's no starring role. And so everybody, you know, needs, they all need each other. And uh, it's it's quite incredible how that's reflected in the show, the same thing that was the, the need for each other. Um, was you know, during the events of, uh, that happened after 9-11.
4: Mm-hmm. And the production, it does follow, as we said, this um, small-town gander and the story there. And I certainly had no idea about no. this story before I saw it. And I, don't, I think it's probably something that not a lot of people knew about. Um, so how, why do you think that this relatively unknown small-town and these stories, um, why has it been so successful? How has the show
11: well i think it is this this thing that we you go there and you ju- when you come to see the show you just feel great by the mm. end of it and it is it is something that people may not as you say, know about the story, which is nice actually, mm. because it, it's interesting to find. There's a, so many interesting that happen in the information you get during the show. And then, you know, at the end of it, you just feel so great. And, and it's a word of mouth show. It always has been from the beginning. And by that, I mean the audiences that come go and tell their friends and then their friends come back, you know. But we've had people that have come 10, 12 times already.
4: Mm. I believe it. Yeah, I yeah. totally believe it. I we're think also we speaking oh,
11: to Martin Croft, the associate director of Come Far Away.
4: Yeah, and I think just a comment on that last thing that you've just said. Um, I think also everyone says you remember where you were mm. when you when you when heard the mm, yeah. news and when 9/11 happened. Um, and I think it. I think we all feel a part of that story as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Mm. So seeing seeing somebody else's story even if you can relate or not everybody understands Mm. and has a story and has their own story and i think
11: you know part of it too is that when you see the show you think well if that happened to me i wish i'd have landed in gander Mm. (laughs) you know i'd I'd hope i would be one of the lucky ones to land there you know Um,
4: and i and i think it's interesting that the characters touch on that as well the characters who have come off the plane are kind of like um, don't steal my wallet. I've got my wallet. But like, they're gonna—they don't. Okay, they don't want any money. Now I'm not sure if I need to I worry know. about that. I know.
11: It's a—it's it, sort of very worldly people landing in a—you know—a very wonderfully innocent place. Mm. And the um, people
0: that thought the Salvation Army was actually the well, army. The army. Oh, oh yeah. And those are the things. Like, you know, there's
11: it's this it's wonderful it's thing to me that that happened in the show when I first saw it because it's—it's surprisingly funny. Mm. It's you know, it's a very very funny piece. Um but you sort of laugh and then you laugh at that as you say with the salvation army and the, and the african bus that came and it obviously assumed that you know it's you know military wasn't, it wasn't going to be great and um so you laugh and then you go Oh, those poor people Of course they felt like that Because yes. their experience with You know yeah. So there's a whole Different colour That happens with, with the laughing You laugh at things And then you go Yeah, actually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's that wonderful thing Also The funny things that happen When a mix of cultures And and sexualities And all this All suddenly Are all in this one little melting pot And everybody's just got to get on mm-hmm. you know? Yes
0: Yeah, and, and then the assumption That this was a really right-wing town Around sexuality Yeah, absolutely gay couple and yeah. you know and well actually my cousin and my yeah. daughter and it's you know
11: the incredible thing every single thing in the show every little moment whether it's one of the characters bringing a little bowl of chili everything is true Mm. There's not one thing that's... Sometimes the character is a little bit amalgamated or a, or a situation is, is in a slightly different context, but everything that happens on that stage actually happened because it, it came from extensive interviews with the people in Newfoundland and Gander.
3: Mm. And such an uh, interesting hearing you guys who've seen it and you talk about it, such an interesting story to come out mm-hmm. of such a bad world event. Mm. Yeah. That's,
11: that, that's the thing, I mean... At, it just, you know, at the end of it, you just, you know, the audiences leap to their feet at the mm-hmm. end. and It's this, this great sort of, I guess it's like a pop Celtic... Yes, um, yeah, that's a good description. Yeah, yeah. A, a, um, a score because of the fact that, uh, you know, it's on the East Coast, it was the closest place that anyone from great britain or ireland mm, big irish places. yeah because that th- mm. they went to by boat or whatever and they stopped there first mm-hmm. and either stayed or moved on to you know mm-hmm. the rest of north america so there's a great um history there of of sort of things celtic
4: yeah and i'm glad that you just mentioned that because we're going to play a track mm-hmm. we're going to play the opening number and um, welcome to the rock and yeah the accent at home when you're listening, just take a, take a seat, have a listen. These are Canadians, and this is what they sound like in Gander. <laughs> Welcome to The Rock.
2: On the northeast tip of North America, on an island called Newfoundland, there's an airport. It used to be one of the biggest airports in the world. And next to it is a town called Gander. There's a two-person police department. An elementary school. A local TV station and a hockey rink. It's a small place and a giant rock in the ocean. Everybody knows everybody else, and everybody in this room has a story about how they started that day. Welcome to the
5: rock if
9: you come from away. Oh. You probably understand about a half of what we say. Oh. They say the man's an island, but an island makes a man. Just one house, a one life.
5: Please. And I told him we'd have the other half in the afternoon.
2: Welcome to the wildest weather that you've ever heard of. Where everyone is nicer, but it's never nice above.
5: Welcome to the fire. Fun- a rush to get to work and stuff. So normally i sit there and run my radar. Ooh, and if they're speaking, I'll stop them and write out a warning ticket. I'll write STFD. Slow the breakdown. Welcome to the land where the winters try to kill everything. We will not.
4: And that's just a little opening segment from Welcome Come to the Land away. where
3: the winter tries to kill us.
4: Yes. <laughs> it sure does. And it sure does. Um, and yeah, so we have our own Luffy in the studio. Not just <laughs> a new, but a
10: counter up. I can't believe they are yes. an original.
0: An original, <laughs> that's right. And from Gander. Oh so, Judith,
4: come up, Yeah, you're from Gander.
0: Uh, we, well, I lived in Gander for three years. I was very young <laughs> before we moved uh, to, to Canada. Right. The, yes. Yes. I, I, I just need <laughs> to say that <laughs> Newfoundland only became part of Canada in 1949, yeah. and mm. the vote was 49 to 51, the and mean. there are still people in Newfoundland that it think they really? should never have done it. Yeah, it's true. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. But, Judith, true.
4: what was it like for you, see in the show when you were like so familiar and potentially recognize all these characters that you're seeing on stage well
0: well, the first thing was i'd never thought it would come to australia wow and and when i was in canada last year it Mm -hmm. was on in toronto Mm -hmm. I was with my sister she'd Mm -hmm. already seen it but we went to see it again but of course you know because we have that connection with gander three years and my father was the principal of the gander academy
11: that's before Mm -hmm. the gander academy is you know yeah. one of the places that we visit in the uh, show I know yeah. that's
0: where the, people re- slept and they yeah, provided food absolutely. and all of that so I mean even I, I can tell, I'll tell you how many times I've listened to Welcome to the Rock <laughs> and every time it just stirs me deeply and there's something about Newfoundland you know I think it's a bit like Australians you know you leave you smell the gum leaves yes. and you just get pulled back yes. mm. well Newfoundland and, and the rock you know yeah. it, it, the roughness the hardness of the life mm. but the warmth yeah, well, I,
11: I can't believe I'm meeting another Ganderite because <laughs> <laughs> you don't. Ex- you, it's one of those places you don't, you know. I guess until you have a reason to, you don't really know very much about Newfoundland. And um, we had just about everybody who's the character in the show come to the, the ten days before the opening night. They all came out from Gander and from really yes, oh, wonderful all the characters.
0: I did see the mayor of of Appleby. Uh, Appleton Appleton, Appleton, Appleton yeah. Interviewed on the drum Yeah Yeah, yeah. So they the, mm. Yeah
11: Nearly every character In the show came And uh, it was quite extraordinary Meeting them That's uh, from Gander And from Some of the come from a ways Nick and Diane A mm-hmm. couple who Oh I won't say I won't say the story but <laughs> No well, you know, This is this, You've <laughs> got to go Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No spoilers But oh yeah Some God. of the come from a ways Came as well And uh, the Ganderites And um it, they are exactly as we portray them on the show. And they it's really Newfoundland and not Newfoundland. It's, it's found,
4: New no, Fin-land. Not uh, Newfoundland.
11: Newfoundland.
0: Yeah. Fin- New How about Newfoundland? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, f- yeah. I
11: got it into my head by thinking Disneyland, New yeah. Yeah, Newfoundland. Newfoundland.
4: Yeah, so that's yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. um, Gander, I mean, we've just heard, Gander has um, its own accent. Gander has its own traditions, its own initiations. Mm-hmm. Um. And so Gander in itself, is a character throughout the production. Yeah, yeah. So how big of a part do you think Gander has to play in setting this whole show?
11: Oh, it's enormous. Mm. It's enormous, yeah. I mean, it's Gander and Appleton and, you know, the there were obviously other towns in Newfoundland that, um, that helped as well, but it's sort of centred around Gander because that's where the airport was. Um, so, yeah, the, the whole... The whole ethos of, of, of what it is to be a Newfoundlander is really what the show is about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and uh, their traditions and their screech in, which is yes. a ceremony. Because we had the, um, the locals here, they screeched us all in. Can, it, you, so describe, they brought,
0: can you describe what this
4: is? Well,
11: a screech in is like an initiation. You become an honorary, honorary Newfoundlander. And so you, you go through this, uh, <laughs> ceremony, which isn't entirely pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> You have to drink this screech, uh, sort of a. It's a Scotchy 80% sort of, alcohol. Yeah, it's very. You have a little <laughs> shot of that. You kiss a fish, a cod, a big cod. Um, then, but there were other things. That they're the main things that we know in the show. But then, when we really got screeched in, we found that there's a whole lot of other things that go on we'll as well. All the colours. <laughs> oh well, there's these strange biscuits, which is sort of like a very, very, very stale scone. That oh, Almost no, no, no. breaks tech. your teeth. Hard yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a little, uh, there's some um, meat that's almost like a spam. Oh no, no. it's oh, like no. a spam. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a little tin of these sausages, like like pickled, not pickled. They're, I don't know, salty. Um, little, what were well, those little? Little hot dogs, like the little hot dog, thing. like little hot dog things, but with the skin off. What the so audience? What people
4: listening can't see. You can't
11: see my face. because yeah. 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 I—that <laughs> was the, the the thing. The sausage was the thing that got kids me. In,
4: Kissing the fish. Any day of the week. Those okay, yeah, yeah. so sausages. <laughs> so
11: the sausages was like, ooh, amazing. I was feeling that a few days oh, later. Really? <laughs>
0: that's
11: but it's, you know, it's all done with mm-hmm. great love. So we've all got um, certificates of, of honoree, you know, signed by the mayor and the, the, So the well, I'm of meeting
0: of, another newfie then this yeah, morning. An honoree, right? yes. yes, yes an honoree. Well, fantastic. <laughs>
3: but that doesn't happen all over that East Coast, does it? Because I've got a friend that's moved to, she's from here, but she's, moved to Prince Edward Island yes which is just very genteel in comparison (laughs) (laughs)
0: out
11: of Green Gables country (laughs) the the accent's quite incredible it is it's it's a tough one and we you know we have a wonderful um, uh, accent coach uh, that we that came out to Australia and worked with us, and uh, still contacts us on Skype and listens to the show, the audio of the show, oh, and gives maybe. us notes and things because it's it's a very difficult accent because it is a real amalgamation of. a yes. little, little you can't go too Irish, but you, neither can you go too American, and uh, yeah, so it's it has its own little traits. Yeah, definitely. Because so. when I first,
4: I mean, I didn't <laughs> because I was completely un- unaware of um, of what Gander, the place of yes. Gander and the history there. Yes. Oh, when I first watched it, I was like, this,
0: they're Irish. What's yeah.
4: going on? Um, they're Irish.
11: <laughs> There's a certain, you know, definite that's, that's there yeah. in the accent. Yeah. No, it's yeah. incredible. Mm.
0: I think it's wonderful that school children are able to come and see the show. It's been
11: fun. And the way they love the show and they get it and they understand it, you know, even though they weren't even born when nine eleven mm. happened. Yeah. Mm. So that's that's the thing that it's not, they get the thing, the wonderful things that come out of the story mm, rather yeah, than, you mm. know, they don't have a visceral reaction to 9-11 like we do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's quite amazing because we often have a Q and a at the end with oh, uh, myself and uh, the um, musical director and usually two or three of the cast. And, uh, yeah, the questions they ask are really quite wonderful and incisive. Hmm.
4: So we're going to have to wrap the show up because we're coming to the end of the Monday Breakfast Show. Oh. How, just very quickly, how do our listeners um, buy tickets, and how long can they see the show for?
11: Well, we've just opened a new block of tickets, so we're Fantastic. we're here for quite a bit longer oh. um, through the usual agencies, and you know, online. Yeah, we online. can put the
4: website on the um, the page, yeah. And yeah, if you just Google Come From Away, I did it, and
11: oh, yeah. you, can't it. Goes, yeah, you can't miss it. A little thing that goes get tickets. Yes, you can't miss it. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Martin, so much for coming in today
4: and and chatting with us. It's been amazing, and we've had such a great show. Thank you to all of our guests, and stay tuned for Women on the Line.
3: Fantastic.
4: 3CR Breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop, Melbourne's radical independent bookseller and venue, for their financial support of this program. You can find NIBS in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton, or check them out at nibs.org.au to find more information about upcoming discussions and events.
0: Thanks for listening to a Monday Breakfast podcast on 3CR.